Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And then we see something else Eliezer did, which he not only asked for a little water, but he said, of thy pitcher, of thy pitcher. Well, here we see Eliezer. What's he doing? He's got the attitude check here. Does this woman have any attitude? I mean, can you just picture Eliezer with this whole thing? And here comes Rebecca. You know, she's got this big water pot on her shoulder. You know, things heavy. You know, the heavy water pot. She just got up the all position. She's ready to start back home. Here comes this old guy <laughs> with a caravan of ten camels and an entourage of men servants waiting on him. I mean, she's a, there. She is a young girl with a heavy pot of water on her shoulder. And he runs up to her. He says, that pot on your shoulder. He said, you know, this one that I just put up for that's just about killing me. Yeah, that one. He says, can I just take a sip from it? (laughs) He says, can I take a sip of water from your pitcher on your shoulder? Well, if Rebecca had any Jewish American princess ship (laughs) in her, she would have let him have it. She would have said, you're a man with an army of men servants here at your disposal, ready for you to snap your fingers. The well of water is right there. I'm a woman struggling with the heavy water pot that I've just gotten on my shoulder. Instead of asking your men servants to go get water from the well, you want me to take my heavy water pot down off of my shoulder so you can take a sip? <laughs> it says, you know, go get your own water from the well, pal, and leave me alone. If she had attitude, that's what would happen. But that was a very wise test for Mr. Eliezer because to make this outrageous request of saying, it's not that I'm really thirsty, I just want a little sip from your water pot. (laughs) So at the end of verse 17, when he finishes this test, it's on, the test is on, the test is on for Rebecca to see how she's gonna respond to this outrageous request for a little sip from her pitcher. That's why the next verse is so important. And it says there, She says, drink, my Lord, drink. And it says she hasted. She let down her pitcher upon her hand. She didn't just, you know, here, drink. No, no, I'll hold the pitcher. I'm going to pour it out for you. It's going to be right out of my hand. And gave him drink. She responds with this effusive drink. And she calls him, my Lord. You know, this is the person who's just asked for this outrageous question. She says, yes, sir, my Lord. She says, and Eliezer hears that, my Lord. He thinks to himself, she'll be a good bride. That's a great bride for Isaac. He remembers Sarah. He remembers Sarah, how she used to call Abraham Lord in Genesis 18, 12. But Rebecca has such a great attitude. She's just so happy to serve. She says, drink, my Lord, drink. Oh, I'm so happy that I want to do this. And we read in verse 18 that she hastes, she runs which shows she's got a servant's heart. She loves to serve. She's showing that she has the mind of Christ. 
That's the mind of Christ in Philippians 2, 4 through 8, where it says, look not every man on his own things, Rebecca, but every man also on the things of others, Eliezer. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And this is where he didn't look on his own things, but looked on the things of others, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation because he was looking on our things and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So Rebecca out there by this well is not looking on her own things, but she's looking on things of Eliezer and she's saying to himself, this poor man, he wants a sip of water. He must really be thirsty. Oh, he must really be thirsty. I'm gonna kick into gear. I'll forget about my own troubles. I'm gonna give him water. That made Rebecca's day as far as she was concerned. She was so happy to say, drink, drink, my Lord. That's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us. From heaven, he looks down on our great need. We needed a sinless sacrifice. He forgets about how much it would hurt him. He forgets how much it was gonna cost him. He decides to make himself of no reputation, take on him the form of a certain, be made in the likeness of man, humble himself, become obedient to death, even the death of a cross. And the Lord Jesus Christ, he did that so that he could have the joy of stretching out his arm like Rebecca did and say, drink, drink. John 7, 37, in that day, great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. John 4, 10, Jesus answered and said to the woman at the well, said to her, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give him to drink, give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked him, he would have given thee living water. He did that so that he could have the joy, this joy of saying, drink, as it says in Isaiah 12, verse three, therefore with joy shall he draw water out of the wells of salvation. So like Rebecca, like the Lord Jesus Christ, they love to give water to the thirsty. The Lord says in Isaiah 44, verse three, I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offspring. So it's his joy. It was her joy to take away the thirst. It was his joy to take away the thirst for eternal life. As it says in the last book, Revelation 21, verse six, he says, it's done. I'm the alpha, I'm the omega, the beginning and the end. Then what? I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He says in Revelation 22, verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let him that heareth say, come. Let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. And so does he refuse anybody? John 6, 37, all that the father giveth me shall come to me and him that comes to me, I'll no wise cast out. That's the attitude that was in Rebecca. So we read in verse 18, she lets down the pitcher on her hand. She gives him to drink. And Rebecca, like I said, she didn't just say, here's the pot, drink for yourself. She pours it out for him of her hand, pours it to him. And next we read in verse 19, when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also until they've done drinking. And he can't believe it. He said, I didn't say anything about camels. I just told God about the camels. But now she's with the camels. And so what we find here is that she's very patient, Maybe Eliezer was drinking purposefully very slowly. I can imagine that he would do that to irritate her, see if he could bring out some attitude, but we don't know. We can be sure that while Eliezer is drinking, he's thinking to himself, I wonder, I just wonder if I'm gonna hear something about camels next. I wonder if the camel factor is gonna come into this. 
I wonder if she's going to offer water to the camels. And the record says that she attended to giving him drink. And it was only, as it says, when she had done giving drink that on her own, on her own initiative, without Eliezer saying anything about camels, she comes up with this, I know, I know, I'll draw water for thy camels also until they've done drinking. I got an idea, Rebecca says, camels. Uh, we don't really read what Eliezer said. Maybe he said, okay, maybe he said, that'd be a good idea, or that'd be great. But what we do read is in verse 20 is that she hasted and emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again unto the well to draw water and drew a frost camel. So when it says she hasted, it gives us the picture. She's a whirlwind, this Rebecca. She's spring into action. Boy, who pulled her spring? But she springs into action. She pours the rest of her pitcher into the water trough for the camels. And then it says she ran. She didn't walk. She ran back to the well to get more water to draw for all the camels. The camels must have been impressed. You know, it was that nobody's ever run for us. And they're thinking that maybe the camels are thinking it's be a great bride for Isaac, Eliezer. <laughs> Meanwhile, while Rebecca is flying into action, we have to ask the question, what are what Eliezer's thinking now? And we're told what he's thinking in verse 21. And the man wondering at her held his peace to wit whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. See, Eliezer's response is described as wondering. That's a Hebrew word, sha'ah. It's never used in the Bible except for this place. It's the only place where it's used. And it has the meaning of being whirled around or becoming stunned or dizzy. You know, that's what's going on in Eliezer. He's just watching Rebecca swing into action, all this running, all this water, all this emptying, all this, and he's dizzy. That's what wondering means. He's dizzy watching an Eliezer, but he wants to be very sure. Again, he wants to be very sure, Eliezer, that he's not stepping in front of God and saying, this has got to be the one, because he's got to find the one that God has appointed for Isaac. He's pretty sure he's found the one that he's appointed for Isaac, but not completely sure, and so he's holding his peace. That's why it says he's wondering, he holds his peace. So he's being calm about this. In his own mind, he's thinking, i got to be sure. i got a checklist here. I'm checking off the points on my checklist one by one, but they're not all checked off yet, so I'm not going to jump. Eliezer has some items he still has to check off. After all, he doesn't know if she's from Abraham's family. He hasn't checked that off yet. He doesn't know she's single. You know, that's important. <laughs> you got to check that off. He doesn't know if he'd be invited to stay at her house. He doesn't know if she'll be willing to go. She doesn't know if the family's willing to let her go. So he can't just jump off into conclusions yet until he gets all the items checked off. So he waits, and it says in verse 22, came to pass that the camels had done drinking that the man took a golden earring of half shekel weight and two bracelets of her hands of 10 shekels of weight. So Eliezer waits until all the camels had done drinking, and he takes out these gifts. Beautiful, it's beautiful gifts. It says earring, it really is a nose ring. Nose ring doesn't sound very beautiful, but anyway, to us, you know, I guess you pierced your nose in those days. I don't know. You went to the, the Nordstrom's of Syria and you got a nose piercer. It's a big thing. It covered the mouth. Anyway, the bracelets sound better. So here we see Eliezer. He's got his checklist here. Now he poses two questions to Rebecca. And for verse 23, he says, whose daughter art thou? And here Eliezer is just saying, is she from Abraham's family or not? And second, he says in verse 23, is there room enough in your father's house for us to lodge in? See, your father's house. He doesn't know that her father is dead because Nahor is dead, but he calls the father's house. So she tells him her family in verse 24, and she said unto him, I am the daughter of Methuel, son of Milcah, the daughter she bare to Nahor. And as soon as Eliezer hears Nahor, he realized Nahor is Abraham's brother. 
So check. He says, I've just checked this item. She says she passes. She's Abraham's niece. This one's Abraham's niece. She's Isaac's cousin. Don't think that marrying cousin was forbidden in the Bible. It wasn't. And then for the second question, she quickly responds back in verse 25. She said, moreover unto him, we have both straw and provender enough and room to lodge in. She says, we've got enough food for your camels to eat. They can bed down. You can bed down. There's room in the house for you to stay. She's practically invited him. She has a lot of initiative. So she invites him as 10 camels. Come on over. Now, this is too much for Eliezer. He can't take it. He can't take it. It's too much. He's overwhelmed. He's just overwhelmed with all this. He's got one response. Verse 26, the man bows down his head. He worships. There's two times when we get overwhelmed in life. In one case, we get overwhelmed as his with happiness and joy. And that's what happened to Eliezer. There's another time, and that's a time. Best thing to do, worship. And then there's another time when you get overwhelmed in life with sadness and shock and sorrow. Like when the doctor says, you have cancer. Or someone dies, and a flood of emotions and thoughts overwhelm us. You don't know what to do. That's the time to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. It does the soul so much good. That's why David said in Psalm 61, 2, from the end of the earth, I'll cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. See, David's overwhelmed. Why does he say, lead me to the rock? He can't even go there himself. So someone take me my hand and help me to worship. Lead me there. You know, there's so much clearing. There's such a calming that comes in the face of this overwhelming great joy, great sadness. It's exactly the situation that happened here with Eliezer. He's traveled over 100 miles with this caravan. The thought was he's on a mission impossible. He's fighting off all kinds of fears. He's barely finished his prayer of laying it out. And all of a sudden, here she is. Suddenly, she appears. She's a dynamo in front of him. Causes his head to be drowned with emotions. So many thoughts running through his mind. He needs stability. I remember how Stephen Olford, a dynamic Bible expositor and a pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in New York City, told the story of how he had a, a lump under his left arm. And his wife and son who worked with him, his son worked with him in the ministry, David Olford, traveled to Memphis Cancer Center and were sitting in the office of Dr. Kirby Smith, who is a very famous oncologist who actually founded Memphis Cancer Center. And Dr. Kirby Smith explains to him, he says, Dr. Olford, you have a very aggressive form of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma cancer, and treatment must begin today. And no one said a word. All they hear is cancer. Nobody says a word. You could hear a pin drop. Everybody was stunned. Nobody said a word. And finally, his dear wife says, Doctor, we haven't eaten since early this morning. Do you think we could slip out for a quick lunch? And so the doctor says, yes, but hurry back. They're in shock. Nobody says a word. And they decided to go get some food and go back to their hotel room and eat it. So no one says a word, still in shock. They get their food. They sit down at the table in the hotel room. They're ready to eat. But before they eat, they bow their head to pray. And Dr. Olford breaks the silence with these words. Lord Jesus, we worship you. That's Eliezer. What do you say as a wife of 60 years with the question on your mind, what will I do without my husband? What do you say as a son with the question that you work with your dad? You say, what will life be like without my dad? What do you say with the question on your mind? And what about my ministry? What about the plans I've been making for the Institute for Biblical Expository Preaching? What do you say when you're afraid, when you're overwhelmed with questions about the future? Stephen Olford said the best thing to answer every question when he said, Lord Jesus, we worship you. Those words just affirmed what Eliezer believed. Verse 12, show kindness what did he believe? 
He believed that God is kind, God is loving, God is good. Second thing, verse 14, let it come to pass. Eliezer believed God was powerful enough to cause events to occur. Stephen Olford prays, Lord Jesus, we worship you. He hands the whole situation into the hands of a loving, caring God who's powerful enough to do whatever he desires, anything he wants. That's exactly what Eliezer does in verse 26. He bows down his head and he worships the Lord. And then in verse 27, he says, says what he's worshiping God for again, the two basic beliefs. He says, mercy, verse 27, that's chesed. He believes that God's loving and kind. In verse 27, I being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master. He worships God because he believes God is powerful enough and able to make events occur. So when Eliezer says, I being in the way, he's just blown away by what Rebecca have told him that she was Abraham's niece. Well, what were the odds that of all the women coming out there at the evening time to collect the water that he should pick out Abraham's niece? Let's just say that we're one of the men in Eliezer's caravan and we're looking at all this and we see, oh man, you know, there's Eliezer, he's praying before he ends his prayer. Rebecca appears, then we see he's asking for a sip of water from her pitcher, then she's a dynamo springing into action. She's pouring these effusive amounts of water from her hand so that Eliezer can drink. She's running back and forth. You're seeing all this, the watering trough. And then he finds out she's related to Abraham. He gives the valuable pieces of jewelry. And at this point, we feel like jumping in and saying, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, you don't give the jewelry yet. You know, you're jumping the gun, Eliezer. But everything happens so quickly, there's just no time to intervene. And then we see in verse 23, Eliezer with his, oh no, I forgot to ask, whose daughter are you? <laughs> and then we see that he finds out Abraham's family, he's bowing his head, he's worshiping, and we say, what happened so quickly? This just all went so pretty fast. This went down quick. Verse 26, 27 shows us that in the fury of it all, he takes time to give thanks to God for answered prayer. That's for us. That's for us. Take time to give God thanks for answered prayer. Now, next we see in verse 28, this dynamo Rebecca. She's now running to her house. She comes into her mother's house. And remember, Nahor has died here. And so it's not called her father's house. It's called her mother's house. That's why it's called her mother's house because Nahor, his mother, probably her mother's still alive. But anyway, we do see that the head of the house seems to be this Laban fellow, Rebecca's brother. It's explained to us in verse 29 that she had a brother. His name was Laban. He runs out to meet the man. So now we see Laban. He's running. Everybody's running. He must run in the family, no pun intended. And so in verse 30, we're directed to see that Laban has taken a particular special interest in something. It came to pass when he saw the earring and the bracelets upon his end. He's got a particular interest now. Now he's got a real eye. There's gold earring. There's gold bracelets. It's got a lot of camel with big loads. He goes, hmm. And so we can see from verse 29 to 30 that Eliezer has remained with his camels at the well, and then Laban goes running out there, and it's clear that he's worried that this man might get away. You know, <laughs> the mother load has just arrived at the well, and we're not going to let the mother load walk away. And so he runs out to meet him, and he doesn't hide the fact that he's interested in getting so much well. They recognize this because he says in verse 31, Oh, come in, thou blessed of the Lord, <laughs> you, know, you know, the one who's rich that God has made rich. You come in while you're standing without. I've prepared everything for you. The house is ready. The barn is ready. Just come. And we can see all the time he's just he's practically salivating looking at this, these bracelets. And he's like the spider talking to the fly, you know. <laughs> come in, thou blessed of the Lord. And he's just said to Eliezer, he says, whoa, wow. You know, he says, I am your instant friend, Laban. This is really a problem for Eliezer. 
because he can't be sure that Laban is really his friend and not just interested in the money. As a matter of fact, Eliezer can be sure that Laban is not his friend, but is really just interested in the money. And so this is a time for him to have his guard up. And Eliezer is about to find out this problem that rich people have that Solomon describes as not being able to tell who your friends are because he says in Proverbs 14, 20, the poor is hated even of his own neighbor, but the rich, he's got lots of friends. He hath many friends. That word in Hebrew, which is translated friends, the one I just read to you in Proverbs 14, 20, the rich hath many friends, that's not the word friends, that's the word lovers, ahavim. It's the word lovers. It says oh, the rich has many lovers, not just friends. They're in love with him. Proverbs 19.4, wealth maketh many friends, but the poorest separated from his neighbor. Proverbs 19.6, many will entreat the favor of the prince. Every man is a friend to him that giveth gifts. What has Eliezer just done? He's just given gifts. He's got an instant friend. So this is describing him. Now we see Laban. He further tells to Eliezer, come in. He said, I prepared everything for you. How could he have time to prepare? I don't get it. I mean, it's just like, you know, Rebecca shows up with the jewels and he goes running right out there and he says, I prepared everything for you. I prepared the house. Your room's ready. You know, I've been working on it in the barns already. So he accepts the invitation, Eliezer, in verse 32. The man came into the house, ungirded his camels. That's a very important phrase. He ungirded his camels. That's a phrase that Laban is very interested in. He ungirded his camel because that showed that there was a load on those camels. And those camels being ungirded, Laban is saying to himself, if I have my way, those camels will never feel that load again. That load's staying here. And I just won the lottery. And so we read in verse 32 how Laban then gives him straw and food to the camels, water to wash the feet. And then we read that he gives water to the men. We've been talking about these men that's never been referred to. This is the first reference we have to the men. But of course, they were there with the caravan. And then we see in verse 33, there was set meat before him to eat. And he says, I won't eat. I will not eat till I've told my errand. Now, from the time that Laban has met Eliezer, everything has been happening. One, two, three. Just boom, boom, boom. This is just an elaborate invitation. Unload the camels, straw and food for the camels, water to wash the feet, feed for the men. Now there's a big table spread. Out comes the feast. Here comes the meat. And you can be sure the wine is ready to flow. Laban probably salted that meat, <laughs> extra salty, so that he can get them drunk. So Laban is very effective at getting people drunk and having them do what they didn't want to do when they're drunk. That's what he's going to do with Jacob later on. He's going to get him drunk, and he's going to get him to marry the wrong girl, Leah, so he can sap out another seven years of free work from Jacob. So we can be sure that this is what's on Laban's agenda. But Eliezer's too faithful. He's too faithful to let his guard down. And in verse 33, Eliezer is saying, stop, stop, stop the music, stop the party, stop the meat, stop with the wine. I will not eat until I've told my errand. See, now there's tension in the room. And Laban is thinking to himself, errand? What errand? Your errand, your only errand is to give me all your jewels. My only errand is to take all your jewels. That's all. Let's eat. But Eliezer says, no, he's faithful. He says, I have a chance to enjoy myself. Yes. I have a chance to eat. Yes, I'm hungry. I have a chance here to really live it up. Yes, but I'm too faithful to let that happen. He says, he's saying, I will not eat. Sterling character of Eliezer. Color him sterling. Because he's putting aside his personal interests. He's hungry. He wants to, he's denying himself. And he's got the words, take a wife unto my son. He didn't say go there, eat and get drunk. He says, take a wife for my son. And the last thing that Eliezer wants to do is return without a wife and tell Abraham, well, you don't understand. It was like, you know, all the food and I got drunk. And somehow in this drunkenness, I gave all the jewels and I didn't get the wife. And now he says, I got to come back with more jewels for the wife. See, Eliezer keeps Abraham's in his mind, his will. And he says, the Lord Jesus Christ, he fasts 40 days. The devil comes to him. 
in Matthew 4 through 2, when he had fasted 40 days, 40 nights, he was afterward a hundred. And when the tempter came to him and said, if thou be the son of God, command these stones be made bread. He says, I will not eat. He says the same thing Eliezer says. No, man shall not live by bread alone. This Eliezer, this was a time when the Lord Jesus Christ said, I will not eat. Garden of Gethsemane, Garden of Gethsemane, same thing. He says, nevertheless, not as I will, but as I will. Eliezer says, I will not eat. That makes us think of ourselves. When we're tempted in life to see an opportunity to live, oh, I'm only going to live once. Let's live it up. Let's enjoy. Let's put pleasing ourselves before pleasing God. When we're tempted to do that, that's when the words of Eliezer have got to burn in our minds. I will not eat. I will not eat. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Eliezer and his faithfulness. Help us to be like him in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800 247 3051.